listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Hey, good morning, Clovis Hills. I'm so glad you guys were with us. Uh, you know, we decided to do something a little different today and we're, we're, uh, we're at someone's house and I'm glad that you could come and worship. You know, we've had an incredible last couple weeks around um, the church and at, at our North Campus and at, at the uh, Old Town Campus. And, you know, we saw our community come out in such a way that was so generous. Uh, we, we ended up helping over 5,000 fire evacuees during, during those weeks, we gave out over three tons of food. As a matter of fact, just this last Wednesday, we had a group of people at uh, Kawa Elementary School in Fresno, and um, we, we gave groceries to 170 families that were in desperate need of it. So people have just been doing God's work all over our city. And it's, it's something I just love to see is that you guys are out being the church. And because you were so generous during those weeks and generous with your time, with your money, with your food, with all of that, we got to see all kinds of people come to Jesus as well. You know, one of my favorite things is that really every week in the month of September, we were baptizing people. The baptismal has had people in it um, every week. And that, that's just been an incredible thing. So I, I'm excited about that. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter. And we called it, we're calling the series different, but we're gonna, we're gonna stay in 1 Peter today, but we changed the name of the series for two weeks because we're gonna focus on this one passage of scripture that I really believe is pertinent to what's going on in our world today. It'll help us navigate some of the crazy political things that are going on. We're entering into election season, all of that. And see, Peter speaks to it in an incredible way. Last week, Pastor Scott touched on it um, and, and starting in verse nine of chapter two, he said this, he said, Peter says to the, the, the Christians at that time, he says, you, you guys are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So he's telling the Christians, you're chosen. You're, you're chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then he says to these Christians, once you were not a people, what he meant was, you, you know, you were just regular. You were just out in the world. You were just another human. But he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And then he says, once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. See, and there's this concept we find throughout the book of, of First and Second Peter is that God um, looks among the world and, and he, he's chosen you. If you are a Christian, you are in Christ, you've been chosen. You know, and the analogy I keep using is I, I've been using these, these bulls and I have some bulls over here. And um, see, when, when God looks at these bulls, they all look the same. They're all very similar. They're just glass bulls, but there's a certain one. God picks one and he sets it apart for his work. He puts his light in it and he sets it apart for something different than the rest of these bulls. It's for his work. And 
that bowl is now different than these, even though it's just a common bowl. It didn't mean that bowl was better than the others. It's just the one that was selected for God's work. And it's the same way with you if you are in Christ Jesus. You have been chosen by God for his purposes. So um, I wanna read to you this morning. We're gonna carry on in that scripture. First uh, Peter chapter two, verses 11 through 17 and um, who am I fooling? You're all at home on your couches. You're not standing. I'd love it if you did though, in honor of God's word. And I'm, I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna read it. So it says here, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as to the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. This is God's word. So, as we dive into the, the, book of the book of Peter, one of the things I, I want us to understand is um, the Bible is, uh, it is God's word. And you can disagree with the Bible if you want, but ultimately you're disagreeing with the word of God. And you can weigh your opinions with the Bibles, but in the end, in eternity, our opinions don't really matter. Really what comes down to it is if the Bible is God's word, it is his truth. And um, some, sometimes it is difficult for us. And in any culture you go to, people read the Bible and it speaks uh, kind of prophetically in a way that challenges any culture. If you're living, I've said this before, if you live in a Muslim culture, when they read the Bible and they read all the laws and you should not do this, and you should not do that, and thou shalt not, they go, yeah, this is good. It's a little loose, a little liberal, but it's good. And then you read, then they read about forgiveness and they're like, you know, and in that culture, they're like, no, that's terrible. We don't like that. See, so the Bible always speaks to every culture. In our culture, whenever it talks about submission, see, we live in a hyper-individualistic culture where it's all about me. It's all about you. The culture revolves around the individual. And then we hear words like submission. It always rubs us raw. But here's what I want you to know. If it's God's word, it's God's word. And see, the whole book of 1 Peter is answering a few questions that are fundamental to our human existence and to our peace, to our joy, to our happiness, to all of it. And the first one is this. Number one is this. What, what it is addressing is whose am I? See, right away, it, it, it says that, that it says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Now, we all belong to different groups. 
that's just a, a reality of, of how humans work is we like to be in groups. And it all starts out that um, we belong to, diff, you know, we're all one human race. We're one group of people. So we identify that way. But then probably the next area, larger area that people identify in is their ethnicity or their race. So you might be uh, African-American or you might be European or you might be uh, South American. And then, and then it's a nationality. And then it's, I'm American or I'm Canadian or I, you know, I'm, I'm French or what, whatever it is. I'm Scottish, I, right? You know, there's all of those different nationalities. And then what happens is you kind of come down into like, like the region you live in. And then we start identifying with different affinity groups. Like uh, maybe it's your job, like, oh, I'm a doctor. And you belong to that group and you also belong to another group, you know, because you're a parent or you belong to another group because you're, you know, you're a, a conservative or you're a liberal. And we, we, we latch on to all these different groups to help us find our identity. But here's the problem. You'll never really find out who you belong to in those groups. You'll never feel at home in those. You might, you might feel a taste of home in any of those groups. But see, you were made by God. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You were chosen by God to, to be his people. And here's what Peter multiple times in this book is telling the Christians, is he's saying, though you live in Rome, you are an exile. You are not Roman. You are not this. You are not a doctor. You are not a conservative. You are not a liberal. You are not a whatever group you identify with. You are first and foremost God's. And I want to read to you just a couple, a couple verses that are in Peter where he keeps going over this theme that we as Christians are, are, are exiles. He says in, in the very first verse of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, 1, he says to God's elect, right, chosen elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces. And then he says in Peter 1, 17, he tells them again, live your time here as foreigners here in reverent fear. So again, he's saying, wherever you're at, you're still a foreigner. You don't belong here because your home is heaven. And then again, he tells us in verse 11, actually verse nine, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession set apart for him. And then he tells us in verse 11, again, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. So in the Bible, there's this concept, okay? Um, there, there, there's two cities that, that it's an analogy. You have Zion and Zion is the city of God. It's God's kingdom. It's where God dwells. It's where God's people are. It's, it's where God is ruling and that's Zion. And then the other city they use as, as a metaphor many times in scripture is Babylon, and see, Babylon is the world and it's how the world operates and it's how everyone else works. So you have Zion and you have Babylon. And if you're a Christian, if you're truly a believer in Jesus and you've been born again, your, where your home is, is in Zion. You are God's people. You don't live in Babylon. But the problem is this. Many of us intellectually, we get that, but we love Babylon. We love Babylon. The, the riches, the freedom, the choices, the rampant individualism, the consumerism, 
all of that. We love it. I love it. But what God is trying to tell us in the book of 1 Peter is he is calling us out of Babylon because we are not Babylonians. We are Zion's people. We are God's people. Now, um, I, I, I love this. I have, I have a friend and he's come and he spoke at Clovis Hills about, about a year and a half ago, Bishop A.B. Vines. And if you remember the good Bishop A.B. Vines, man, that guy, you, just, you don't meet Bishop A.B. Vines, you experience Bishop Vines. And uh, he was the, when he came, I believe he was the vice president of the whole Southern Baptist Convention. And he has uh, an incredible church in San Diego and they have about 12 locations all over the country. Uh, called New Seasons. And uh, just last week, I'm friends with him on Facebook and he posted this on Facebook and it it actually came from his Twitter account. And I just wanna read it to you because this really sums up how we Christians in this highly charged political time should think of ourselves. He says this, he says, let the truth be known. I am a black American Christian who's theologically conservative and socially compassionate, too conservative for progressives and too progressive for conservatives, pro-life from womb to tomb, politically homeless, and whose ultimate citizenship is heaven. I want you to understand that. See, in, the, in, the, in, in Babylon, some are seeking justice everywhere in the world. But here's the thing. You will never have justice if you don't know the righteous judge. And they will seek for justice and they will never find it. And there will be turmoil forever because they, have, they want the kingdom without the king, Jesus. So you can't have justice without the righteous judge, Jesus. And then there's a whole nother group though that says, no, 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 they don't care about justice. They want freedom and they want to keep their guns and they want to do this and they want to do that. And you will never have true freedom in Babylon unless you submit yourself to the one who sets the captives free. See, you'll be a captive to your own freedom and you'll never find justice because you don't know the righteous judge. That's the reality of it. So, See, if you're a believer, your purpose is higher. Your citizenship is in heaven. It's something greater than all of the debates going on right now. And, and, and there, there, is, there is a purpose for you. So, so that's whose you are. You belong to Zion. You belong to God. Now I wanna talk to you about who you are because that's actually... Um, an incredibly uh, relevant topic. It, I went to Barnes and Noble a couple of weeks ago. I walked in and you know, the largest section of books is self-help. And it's all about having self-esteem and knowing who you are. And darn it, you're good enough and you're pretty enough and you're strong enough and people like you. And I mean, it's thousands, millions of dollars, billions of dollars in the publishing industry trying to tell us who we are. And here's, here's what I, I, I want you to know. It, if you are a believer of Jesus, you, if you're in Christ, who you are starts and finishes with him. Some of you might remember the, the movie, The Born Identity. And see, uh, with Matt Damon, right? J- Jason Bourne is, 
sorry. Jason Bourne is, is uh, th- this character and he's like this super spy and he's like, you know, highly trained elite forces. And, but he has amnesia and he doesn't know who he is. And um, there's, there's, there's a scene where he's, he's in, in the car in, in Switzerland and he's riding with this young woman named Maria and um, he's running from the police, but he's not sure why. And he tells her, I don't know who I am. And throughout the movie, he, he's blown away because he'll walk into a restaurant. He'll look outside and he's scanned all the cars. He knows all their license plate. He's looked in the whole room. He knows who has a gun, who's an innocent bystander. He has all of this training that he can recall in his brain, but he doesn't know who he is. See, I think that's a metaphor many times for you and I that are believers in Jesus is we've been given an identity as a son, as a daughter of God, as, a, as, as, as someone who lives in Zion that's a ki- in the kingdom of heaven, but we forget who we are and we have access to all of his power, all of his grace, all of his gifts, but we forgot and we just go live in Babylon like everyone else and we wonder why we're miserable. See, so you have to know who, who you are. And once you know who you belong to, who your primary group is, Zion, God's kingdom, citizen of heaven, and you know who you are, that you belong to Jesus, you've been chosen by him and set apart for his purpose, here's the thing. Then you can learn what to do with your life. See, I get a lot of people that always come to me and they're like, Pastor, what is God's purpose for my life? You talk to me about God's purpose for my life. What is it that God's gonna do? And what what that really is, is we think that it's this one moment in our life that we're gonna do this one thing. And here's what I want you to understand. Uh, The truth of the matter is, uh, it's never the one thing. See, you don't exist, God didn't give you a purpose so that you could exist and feel fulfilled. God chose you and brought you to him for his purpose. And here's what that means is that the rest of your life, you are living out God's purposes. You are living for Jesus. And as you live for Jesus, here's what happens. You actually have purpose. See, when we're looking for the one thing, really what we're looking for is something to make us fulfilled and a moment that'll make us feel good about ourselves. But That's like grabbing the wind. Really, we have to live our life for God's purpose. And usually it's just every day, just obeying him in the little ways. And every day you obey him in the little ways. It's amazing. Um, When you're responsible with the little acts of obedience to Jesus, that's when he begins to give you more. And he calls you higher. And he calls you deeper into his purpose and you have more purpose when that happens. Look what, it, look what it says though in this passage we read. It says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. And then he tells us what to do. He says, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, so God is calling us to him to be part of Zion, to be foreigners and aliens and strangers and exiles in this world. 
And, and I'll use the example of the Apostle Paul. See, the Apostle Paul was a Jew. He even said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. I was trained under Gamaliel. There were all these cred- credentials for, like he was as Jewish as you could get, but he didn't consider himself that. He was Roman. He was from Tarsus. He was from a wealthy family. His family had purchased Roman citizenship. It cost lots of money to be a Roman citizen. And there was tons of privilege with coming being a Roman citizen. And he did not consider being a Roman citizen part of his identity. What he considered himself was a servant of Christ. And, and here's what I want you to know. It didn't mean he forsook his Roman citizenship. As a matter of fact, there were times he got arrested and beaten for his faith and he, he used his Roman citizenship for the furtherment of Christ. As they were beating him for his faith, he, took, he said, hey, hold on, can you beat a Roman citizen? They were like, whoa, sorry, right? So I'm not saying you need to revoke your American citizenship and go live on an island somewhere and be Amish or whatever it is. What I'm trying to tell you though is that your first identity as a kingdom of God in Zion. So we live in a incredibly tumultuous time right now. There's, we're, the, not just the church, America is divided, the world is divided. Sadly, I'm friends with, with almost every pastor in this town, pastors all up and down the state and the church is divided right now. And I'm just gonna let you know that breaks the heart of God. Because the one thing Jesus prayed for for us is that we would be one. But we're so busy in the church worried about whether we wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether uh, we're conservative or we're liberal, or we're, you know, a Dodger fan or Giant fan, or char- no one's a Charger fan but me and Scott. But you, you know what I mean? Like, we're so concerned about what tribe we're in. We forgot who we are first. We forgot that we're citizens of the kingdom, that, that a, a refugee from Syria who is a believer in Jesus, who is in Christ, is our brother or sister before an American is. You have to understand that. And I know some of you are getting mad right now, but open your Bible. If you want to argue it, open the Bible. Because this is what God is breaking God's heart, how divided we are as a church. And see, we are supposed to gather around the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And you're gonna have people in your life that they're posting things you disagree with, you're angry about. There's people that make you mad. There's groups out there that you think are destroying the country. And I understand that. I read them, I get angry, I get flustered, but I wanna give you the words of Jesus right now. In Matthew 5, 43 through 47, I wanna wanna tell you what Jesus said. And if you don't like it, you can take it up with him. He said this, he said, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Do you know what we look like on Facebook right now? We don't look like children of our Father in heaven. We look like children of the devil. And I I, I say we because me too. This is a time, guys, as a church, we got to repent. We got to lay it all down. God will never move in this land until his people are one. 
And if you want to know the politics of Jesus, the politics of Jesus are that we would be one and we would center around this mission he's given us to take the gospel to every nation, to every people, to every tribe, to every people group in our country, all of that, that we would center around the gospel. And I, I want to keep reading though. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. So as we're in this time that, you know, election season is coming and the news feed is getting more heated and more heated, our presidential candidates are attacking each other and getting more bombastic. I want you to remember this. You've been chosen and set apart to be different. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm preaching this sermon to myself too because I'm a fellow struggler with you. We have been called to be different. And when you see someone who has an opinion, a political opinion that's different than yours, that angers you, and, you th- and they may be ruining this country. I, I understand that. Maybe stop acting like the people of Babylon and take up the words of Jesus and pray for them. Love them. You don't need to debate them reach out to them and tell them you love them. You'd be surprised what happens. See, I don't, I don't know if you know this about how God has called people to him. You know, it says in the book of Romans that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God's kindness leads us to him. Yes, God is a righteous judge and there will be justice one day, but I need you to understand something. The very thing that changes hearts is not laws, is not lawmakers, is not people in power. The very thing that changes hearts is the kindness of God. And let me tell you about the kindness of God for you and for me. And maybe you're watching right now and you don't know if you're a Christian or not. And you've met so many Christians who are angry and cantankerous and you know, they're super right wing or they're super left wing. And, and I, I want you to know something. Um, Jesus is not right wing or left wing. He's for the whole bird. And I need you to understand something. God saw all of us in Babylon. He saw that sin, this, you know, it said abstain from sinful desires. In that passage we read, you know, that word is a Greek word for sarks. And really it just means sinful nature, that my nature, the way I operate, even when I'm trying to be righteous, I end up sinning. There's some kind of selfish thing in it, always. And really what that is, is our sin has separated us from God. And what that means is this. It means that because of sin in a human being's life, they are eternally separated from God that until that sin is dealt with, like you, you, can, you cannot be with God in eternity. You cannot go to heaven. You, you do not go to heaven. Do not pass go and get your 200 bucks. It actually means an eternity apart from God in hell. And see, God knew that. He saw us. 
And he didn't say, the Bible says nothing about go do a bunch of good things and you can earn your way back into his favor because he knew even in all the good things, we could never earn our way back. But this is the kindness of God. God saw me in my sin. He saw you in your sin. He sees all of us in our, in our sin. And he knew that there had to be a penalty for the sin. And what he did is, was, was genius is instead of making us pay for it, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus, the king. You know, the word Christ means king. I don't know if you know that. A proper English translation for Jesus Christ is Jesus, the king, Jesus, the president, Jesus, the one who's, who's the ruler of all. He sent Jesus, the king, from the throne of heaven. And here's how Jesus wields power. Jesus left all his power, all the power of God, all the majesty of God, all the majesty of heaven. He lays it all down to become a feeble human, to live a life sin-free for you and for me. And the Bible says this, that whoever believes in him, whoever makes him their king, whoever makes him their president, whoever makes him the boss of their life shall not perish and have eternal life. So I, I, I need us to understand this. For some of you, You've done that in your life. You, you've invited Christ into your life to be the Lord. And he's forgiven you of your sin, past, present, and future. But, but here's, here's, here's the problem. Some of you, you never left Babylon. You're living as God's children in, the, in a foreign land and you're loving it. You're loving the foreign land more than your heavenly land. And then some of you, You've never made that decision. You kind of, you, some of you, you're like, well, I was just born that way. No, you're not, born, you're not born into Zion. You have to be born again into Zion. And that's a decision you have to make consciously. See, Jesus said in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, that you have to receive him and believe in him. See, Jesus says it in Revelation 3.20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone listens, I'll come in. And for some of you right now, I believe this, that God is knocking at the door of your heart. And you're in Babylon lost in your sin and the God of the universe loves you so much and wants a relationship with you and wants to change your life and transform your character and move you into his purposes for, for life. But you have to be courageous and make that decision yourself. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer in a moment. And if you've never invited Jesus to be the president, you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the king, to come in and forgive you of your sins, why would you ever put it off? Today's your day. It'll be the best decision you ever made. So I'm gonna pray right now and wherever you're at, just God is with you wherever you're at. I want you to know that. Maybe, maybe take a deep breath right now and realize he is in your midst and he loves you. 